Hi everyone, uh, welcome to episode two of Legends of the Spire. I'm producer Dave. Uh, I'm here on my regulation government allocated exercise. Um, I just wanted to say before we started uh, episode two, just to thank everyone for their kind words about episode one with Jamie Hewitt. Um, it seemed like a perfect place to start with Jamie uh, due to his legendary status with the town uh, and that goal at Old Trafford. Um, so it was great to hear that it brought back lots of happy memories. Uh, episode two today is uh, with a player who played about 10% of the amount of games for Chesterfield that Jamie Hewitt did. Jamie Hewitt did just under 500 league games and the player we've got today did just under 50. But in that time, he won. He captained the 2010-11 uh, team to the League Two title. Um, so yeah, episode two, it's a great chat today with Dwayne Mattis. Uh, we talked to him from his home uh, in Huddersfield. Um, he's got really fond memories of his year at the club and um, we had a really good chat about the players, uh, about taking on the captaincy, injuries um, and had a chat about his life before Chesterfield as well at uh, clubs like Huddersfield and Bury and Walsall. Um, he's, he's a really, I didn't know what to expect before I had a chat with him, but he's a really honest, uh, modest chap. Um, he, maybe on the pitch, was one of the quieter players on the pitch, but after talking to him, I could have talked to him all day, and um, his character seems like the exact type type of guy you'd want in your uh, first 11 for a title winning team. So, uh, so here is episode two with Dwayne Mattis, enjoy. All right, we'll just uh, have a chat, yeah, like before Chesterfield and then have a, obviously a, a good chat about the season, which was pretty amazing, that um, like title-winning season. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you, you like, you're, you're not far from me, actually. I'm, I'm over in Leeds. You're in Huddersfield, aren't you? So Yeah, Huddersfield, born and bred. So I've always lived in Huddersfield, no matter who I've played for, where it's been, I've always lived in Huddersfield. So, yeah, not far from you, 20 minutes from, from Leeds, so not far at all. Yeah, and... and were they like who? Which team did you support when you were growing up? Were you a Huddersfield yeah. fan, or were you like a, a big team fan? Yeah, um, my dad used to take me down to watch Huddersfield. To be fair, um, when I was about eight, nine, ten, um, just because I was a local team, really, um, and I'd shown an interest in football. So they said, "Right, we'll go and watch. We'll go down and watch Huddersfield Town," um, and that was down at the old Leeds Road. Um, so I supported them growing up, and then. I've always had a love for Liverpool as well. So uh, it's Liverpool in the Prem and then Huddersfield because they were my local team, really. Yeah. So so which players were your like idols then when you were growing up? Uh, John Barnes. Yeah, yeah. John Barnes. Um, I used to idolise um, John Barnes. Um, and that's probably the reason why I supported Liverpool, to be honest with you, because I just loved watching him play. Liverpool were the best at that time. Um, and I just fell in love with Liverpool. Even to this day, I was still, you know, I love Liverpool, really. So then you ended up um, kind of in the through the Huddersfield Academy, didn't you? And you made your debut when you were like, I was trying to work it out this morning, were you like 16 when you made your debut? Uh, 17, yeah, 17. Yeah, so I'd come up through the ranks at Huddersfield. So I signed at Huddersfield when I was 13 as a schoolboy. Um, and I was always one of the ones where they were a bit unsure about. Um, so if they were signing eight, I'd probably be the last one to get signed out of them eight. Um, just physically, I were very um, thin, very skinny. Um, and the one too sure about me, but they, they ended up taking a chance with me all the way through. So um, when we got to 16, it was um, either you get released or you get a YTS. It was back in them days. Mm. And like I said, I think the sign eight from our age group, and I, he kind of says to me, oh, it's a bit 50 50 with you, but I'm going to give you a chance. Um, and then at the end, we went to do the YTS, and at the end of the first year YTS when I was 17, I was the first one to get into the first team out of them eight. So yeah. it just goes to show in football how quickly it can change. Um, so after, be, after being like the last to get signed at 16, I was then playing in the first team at, at 17. So. Do you think that made you kind of work doubly hard then, that you knew that you were maybe just scraped in the yeah. the last few? Yeah, I think so. Like all the other eight were better than me. And, and you know, and I agreed with what the coach said. You know, he said, you know, taking a chance to do, we're not too sure. I, I agreed with that because I wasn't too sure myself. But I think just training, um, training every every day, 
because you go full time then when you get a YTS training, you know, twice a day, and we're doing a lot of weights, it strengthened me up a little bit. And I just seem to go from, from the bottom to the top just very quickly. Like you say, I don't know if it was a bit of a, you know, a, a, a goal for me to think, right, come on, you're at the bottom, but let's get to the top, a bit of a driver. I just don't know if everything just clicked into place with my body and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, it just goes to show if there's any young kids watching this, you know, just never give up because you never know what can happen really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then what was it like then making your debut? Because it was against Crystal Palace, was it, you made your debut? Yeah, yeah, it was under Peter Jackson and Terry Orof. And um, we'd played in the um, Youth Cup, they used to call it back then. And um, it was the first year YTSs and the second year YTSs played together in the Youth Cup. And I was the first year YTS and I'd done really well in the Youth Cup game. So I think Peter Jackson and Terry Orof, I think they kind of like the look at me, look at me from then. Um, and then it was to the end of that season um, a couple of games left and they, they couldn't go down and they couldn't go up so it was just they were mid-table basically and um, you know Peter Jackson system I'm going to you're coming with us on, 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 on Saturday make sure you, you bring a suit <laughs> well I just left school and you know I, I was on £42 a week at that time I didn't have a suit <laughs> so what I wore was my old school uniform <laughs> <laughs> so I go into cupboards, I got my old school shirt, my old school trousers and my old school shoes, you know, to go to the game against Crystal Palace and all the lads were laughing at me. But, you know, it just goes to show how quickly it can, it can go. One minute you're leaving school and the next minute you're playing it first team against um, Crystal Palace away, away as well it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so we travelled anyway, we stayed at an hotel down, down there and uh, we got to the game and I'm on the bench and um, after about 20 minutes the midfielder gets injured. So I'm warming up, I'm thinking, oh, I'll put somebody else on. So anyway, they called me and said, Dwayne, you're going on. Um, but at that time, at 16, 17, 18, you've got no fear. So I'm like, yeah, yeah come on, man. Well, you know, I, I, you, just, you just get on with it. It's just like playing football with your mates at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went on after 25 minutes, 20, yeah, 20, 25 minutes. Um, did it all right, did quite well. Um, we drew that game to all. And then we had the last game of the season against Crew the week after. And then I came off the bench for that as well. So I made two appearances when I was 17. So, you know, that kind of just gave me the taste of it. And I thought, yeah, I like this. Um, and it kind of went from there, really. And then you ended up you ended up moving to Bury, didn't you? Um, and you, you won player of the season, didn't you, on, on your first season at Bury? Yeah. What it was is that um, I'd been at Huddersfield a long time and I think, I've been at Udderfield since I was 13 and I was maybe 21, 22, something like that. And um, I think it got to the stage where, you know, I'd kind of just lost a bit of, because I'd been there for so long, I kind of got a bit too comfortable. Yeah. So it was a good, I think it was a good thing for the man, Peter Jackson at the time, to say to me, you know what, you've been here a long time. It might be better for you to go somewhere else and kind of get started again. Um, and that's what I did at Berry really. Um, I left Udderfield Town, um, signed for Berry, and um, I got myself fit. And I had a bit of, um, had a bit of, um, you know, determination to prove what it felt how wrong for, for letting me go. Um, and I went into that season and I think I'd scored seven from midfield before Christmas. Um, so I played re- probably the best football I played in my career, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played really well, box-to-box midfielder, getting stuck in, playing it simple and scoring goals. Um, and I think there was a few teams interested at that point but I ended up um, signing a new contract with Berry for a couple of years, I think. Yeah, and it must be really sad then seeing how, seeing what's happened with Berry because they've been, well, they've been torn to pieces, haven't they? And, and having to, yeah, they, to reform again. It's, it's yeah, not, I mean, I don't really know what's gone on. I haven't really um, looked into it too much, but yeah, it's really sad because, you know, it's a brilliant little club um, with, with brilliant fans and they're loyal to Berry. Um, you know, not the biggest club, but we'd always have, you'd always, you always thought they were behind you. Do you know what I mean? And um, it's really, really sad because I played a lot of games for Berry, and um, they'll always hold a part in my heart. Do you know what I mean? So it's just sad to see what's happened to them. But hopefully they, they've started again now, I see, and hopefully they can work themselves back up yeah, the, uh, there again. the league. Yeah. 10 minutes played, and after a bright start, Berry mount their first meaningful attack. Dwayne Mattis stabs it in. Berry held their shape. They always look likely to get a second. Dave Challoner nearly got it. But 1-0 at half-time is a decent scoreline. And then you ended up um, kind of a, a move to Barnsley, didn't you, after that? But 
I'm right, in, you're near the end of MK Dons. They had a few bits kind of turned down for you. So how yeah, did you yeah. come to Barnsley? Yeah, you're right. Um, well, what it was is um, I was at Berry, and this was um, this was the last season I was at Berry, and I was doing really well again. Um, like I said, I probably you know probably one of the best midfielders in League Two at that time, um, and there was quite a few clubs watching me. But it got to January, and um, MK Dons was in League Two with Berry made a bid for me, and Barnsley made a bid for me. Who was in the Championship. Um, so, you know, you were kind of like MK Dons in the same league as Berry, or well, try and move up two leagues. So I think most most players in my position would think, right, okay, you're doing really well in League Two, you're confident, you're flying, you're doing really well, let's go and see if we can, you know, play in the Championship. Um, and that's the reason why I chose Barnsley over MK Dons at the mark, because I wanted to test myself at the higher level, really. Yeah. I suppose it's a bit closer to home as well, isn't it? Um, well, yeah, that's another thing. I'm a, I'm a homeboy, you see. So I probably didn't want to, at that time, I probably didn't want to move down to uh, Milton Keynes. And Barnes is just half an hour over tops for me. So it was just kind of a, a no-brainer, really, uh, yeah. to move a couple of leagues and also stay local. Yeah. And then um, you kind of then ended up on, on loan at Walsall, didn't you? Of which you, you then ended up signing for them eventually but what I really wanted to ask you about was I was reading a, a story about when you broke your leg um, yeah. at, at Tranmere and you kind of tried to carry on playing with a broken leg can you can you remember that game yeah I do yeah so what had happened at Barnsley was I went to Barnsley and um, what I signed on the Thursday and then they were playing top of the league at the time and it was Preston Preston North End mm. um, on the Saturday and the manager just put me straight in. I just started that game. Um, but I can tell you, after 20, 25 minutes of that game, I was <laughs> I was feeling dizzy. I didn't know where I was. And it was just the, the, the difference between the League 2, where I was doing really well, to the speed and the tempo of the Championship. I struggled massively. And, um, you know, and it was just, it was hard for me at Barnes because I never really had time to kind of get up to speed in training and then go and play in a game. I would just kind of just shove straight in. Yeah. Um, so, so that I just struggled really and the fans took a dislike to me and started you know giving me abuse and stuff like that and then that messed with my confidence and it was just a bit of a, a bad time really at Barnsley but so yeah so I was then playing in um, Barnsley reserves playing really well um, I think Barnsley must have put out a memo or whatever saying that you know Dwayne Mattis is available for loan mm. um, so actually Millwall and Wal- uh, yeah, Millwall and Walsall came in for me but again Walsall is closer to me. Millwall's down in London, so I chose Walsall. Um, so I went to Walsall. Um, first four games, I think we won four out of four. Um, so they had some really good players at the time um, and went on to have good careers. Um, and then, yeah, the game that you're talking about at Tranmere, it was a Friday night. I'll never forget it. Um, it was a Friday night. This was the fifth game out, out of the five that I played for Walsall on loan. And um, it was the first 10, 15 minutes and gone up for an header. And I've just kind of clashed legs with um, the midfielder. And I've landed and um, I kind of thought nothing of it. I kind of thought, oh, it feels a bit weird. Um, so the, the, I've, I've stayed down anyway. And the physio, John Whitney's come on and he's kind of, he's kind of uh, felt it and he can kind of feel the crack. And, but I wasn't in any pain, really. It just felt a bit weird. So he's like, um, he says... Uh, he want too sure, but he says, um, give it a couple of minutes and, and we'll see. So I've carried on for a couple of minutes and it was just still feeling very, very weird. Um, just some, I just knew somewhat wasn't right, but I wanted excruciating pain. Um, so I came off, um, went and got a scan. He said, yeah, you've broken, you've broken your leg. Uh, you're going to be out for basically five, six months. Um, so it's just all a bit weird, really. And then I went back to Barnsley, did re- rehabilitation there. Um, and then signed for the um, signed for Warsaw in the summer. Then. Must be like injuries generally, and obviously, like during Chesterfield, like your last time at Chesterfield, you had a um, operation on your ankle as well, I think, didn't you? Yeah. Like yeah. mentally, how tough is it when you you're going through those injuries? Because you know it's hard when you're getting paid to do something that you then can't do because you're injured. Because you're injured. What? Yeah. You just feel worthless, really, when you're injured because the team's out there playing and, you know, you want to be out there playing, but you can't. They'll go out training, you can't train. Um, and it's just it's just hard when you're injured, but you've just got to try and stay strong, 
um, you know, do what the physios and the fitness coaches say to get fit and try and get fit as um, as soon as possible. But yeah, it, it, I always had little problems with my ankles anyway. So um, the injury at, at Chesterfield when I got operated on it, I kind of it was just niggling at me all the time. So decided to get in and flush it out. Um, but it still wasn't quite right after that anyway. How is it now? Do you still kind of have problems with them now? Well, no, not, not really, because this is like um, nearly 10 years ago now, to be honest with you. So I think my body's had time to kind of, you know, recuperate and, and, and kind of heal itself. So now I'm, I'm fine now. I go, I go and run with my son, we go on bike, right? we play football. And, you know, I'm fine. You know, I don't have any problems really. But I think some players, you know, struggle struggle after football with injuries and the body and stuff because they haven't given it time to just recuperate and, and kind of, you know, get itself back to normal after a long career, really. And th- and then I suppose we come back to, come to the bit that we're wanting to all wanting to talk about, since it's a Chesterfield podcast, and <laughs> that you then signed for you signed for Chesterfield, uh, and it was like a drop drop down the league, wasn't it, when you signed? Because Walsall were League One, Chesterfield were League Two. Yeah. Um, what? Did you have other options as well? Were there, was it a, a decision between a few clubs? Well, what it was is that I'd been at Wal- aside for Walsall, I'd been at Walsall for two years. Um, and in the last season, I was actually captain at Walsall. Um, I finished, I think I finished second in the player of the year votes. So I'd had a good season at Walsall. So at the end of the season, the manager calls you in. I was out of contract, so he called me in. And I'm kind of expecting him to offer me a new contract, really. Um, I've just bought the house that I live in now. Um, I bought a couple of more the year before, so I kind of think, oh, he's gonna, he, he's gonna, he's gonna offer me something. He might not offer me the money that I'm on now, but he might, he's gonna offer, he's got to offer me something. I'm captain, um, so we goes in in um, in office, and uh, he just basically said it was Chris Hutchins. He just basically said, um, we're not gonna offer you nothing. So I'm like, all right. You know, I've just had a good season. I've finished second in player at year, in fans player at year. You've made me captain. You know, any kind of didn't really give me a reason. He just says we're not we're not going to offer you nothing. He says, you know, I wish you all the best in the future, um, and that's it basically. <laughs> so you try and argue your case while you're in there. I suppose this. Well, no, not 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 really. He made up his mind for whatever reason it was. I don't know whether it was a money thing. I don't know. If he knew, he wasn't happy with me travelling from Huddersfield to, to Walsall every day. I know he wasn't happy with that, but he never said that was a reason. He just never gave me a reason. So I were a bit flamgasted, really. So, um, um, like I said, I've just bought this house that I'm in now and I were a bit a bit worried, really, because I'm out of contract. I'm coming up to 30. I was coming up to 30. I was thinking, what, you know, what if I don't get a new club? What if I don't get a club? Um, and then a couple of days later, um, John Sheridan rung me. Um, so it was only a couple of days, so it was basically straight away. And um, he said, Come and meet me. He said, Come to, went to Saltergate actually. He said, Come to Saltergate, come and meet me. Um, we want to sign you. So I went there for a meeting a couple of days later. Um, and he, he just basically said, Look, we've just finished outside the playoffs. I think he said that's the season, that season. He said, We've got some good players, but I want to add four or five, you know, players from, you know, higher leagues like yourself, just to add to what we've already got. And I think I'm going, I'm going to, we're going to play nice football, we're going to win the league and we're going, we're going to a new stadium. So I'm like, right, okay. So the, the decision was whether to sign straight away. He said, you know, you can sign now or tomorrow. So the decision was whether to sign straight away and get my future sorted and then I can have a nice summer and not worry about anything or whether to wait to see if a League One club came up. Um, so I, I came home, I spoke to the family, I spoke to my mum and dad and, and, and whatnot, and we all agreed, you know what, new stadium, young manager, wants to play nice football, um, just finished outside the playoffs, um, it's still quite local to home, uh, more local than Walsall anyway. Yeah. Um, so I just decided to think, right, okay, let's just get it all sorted, get signed, and then I don't have to worry about anything over the summer then. And, and, and that's what I did, really. Um, I think Bradford came in a couple of days after that, but I'd already give John Sheridan my word that I was going to sign. So once I give somebody my word, that was it, really. So like I said, a couple of days later, I went back to Saltergate, signed, signed, signed the deal, and then I was able to go on holiday and enjoy the summer then. 
Yeah. And did they did they take you around to the to the building site of the new ground or or not? Did uh, you no, it didn't actually. It just says go on. Um, it says go on Chesterfield website. There's some uh, pictures on there, but you'll see that the, the stadium's top draw. Do you know what I mean? It's brand new. It's top draw. Um, and we're a club going places. He says, you know, and I, we'll win the league. If I can get the players like you that I want, he said to me, we'll win the league. And he was, he was confident. He said, I want to play the right way as well. You know, I want to play attacking football. And he, he just knew what he wanted and he, he, he sold it to me. And, and, and like I said, I just wanted to get sorted. Um, I didn't want it rolling over somewhere and thinking, oh God, what, am I going to get a club or what's going to happen? Or, you know, um, so I just wanted to get it sorted. Got it sorted and then... Um, and then he just said, right, I'll see you in, in July for first day of pre-season. Yeah. And did he did he speak to you at the time about what role he wanted you to play in the team? Um, yeah. He, he, he kind of says, I know you're a box-to-box midfielder. He says, I know you like to get stuck in, keep it simple. Um, and he said, that's what we're looking for. He says, we've got Mark Allert, we've got Derek Niven, um, and I want to add you to them. Uh, to play centre midfield. He did mention Danny Whitaker as well, who I've, who I've played against. Um, so I knew he was a good player. So I knew he was wanting to get him in. Um, and he mentioned Craig Davis, which was a big one for me as well, because I played against Craig Davis when he was at Brighton. And I always thought he's a good player. In. So when he says to me, I'm, I'm getting Craig Davis as well, I thought we'll have a real chance. And I already knew, you know, people like Jack Lester and um, Drew Talbot and Ian Brecken and Robert Page. I knew they had a, a, a good squad anyway. So when he was saying to me, he's adding these players to that, I thought, we've got a chance here. Yeah. And what's what's it like on, on the first day at a new club? Is it like first day at school? You know, you're like meeting loads of people for the first time. It's Yeah, that, that's exactly what it's like, to be honest. I think once you've been at a few clubs, you kind of just get used to it. And to be honest, a football club is a football club and football is a footballer. So it's just pretty similar, um, no matter you know what club you go to. I mean, some squads are loud and, and, and full of banter and some squads are a bit more quiet and just get on with the job. But, you know, basically footballers and football clubs are pretty much similar, to be honest. Yeah. And what, what was the what was the squad like? You know, was it a banter squad or was it a bit quieter? Because oh. there's a few characters in there, but there was uh, it was kind of a few players that, I don't know, looking watching as a fan that were kind of looked like quieter. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I would say some people might say different, but I would say we was a, we was a quieter squad. Um, when I'd been at Walsall a couple of years, well, a year before, that was more of like a, a, a banter squad. There was always something going on around changing rooms, some kind of prank or some kind of laughs or whatever. Whereas I think that Chesterfield squad, you've got characters like Craig Davis and Jack and people like that, but I think ninety percent of that squad were quite quite quiet, like myself. Quite quiet, come into training, do the training, get the job done, go home. Come on a match day, get the job done. You know, we'd have a few laughs, but it, it, it were more business, I felt, at Chesterfield. Not, not so much of this messing about all the time and doing this and doing that and focusing on the banter. We were kind of more focused on getting that result on a, on a, on a, on a Saturday afternoon and, um, and then moving to the next game, really. Yeah. And what was, and what was Sheridan and the rest of the coaching team like? Because... Obviously, we've we've had a bit of an up and down time with with John Sheridan. His first spell obviously gave us probably the, one of the best seasons we've had of recent times, and then in uh, current spells, it's gone less so well. Um, he always looks like when you're a fan watching in the stadium, he always looks a bit angry and a bit grumpy. But I imagine throughout the week, he's probably a slightly different character, is he? Yeah, I mean, now I'm on Twitter. I've only just joined Twitter about a year ago. I kind of see, like, some of the fans saying Sheridan this, Sheridan that. And, you know, they've got kind of, the Chesterfield fans anyway, have got a, a love-hate relationship with him, really. Mm. Um, and I'd say that we're probably the same with some of the players as well. I think some of the players like me really got on with him and kind of understood understood him and kind of, when he had a go, he kind of just put your hands up and say, yeah, fair enough or whatever. But then sometimes some other players would be like, why is he talking to me like that? And, you know, why is he saying that? And the, the confidence would go because they'd, see that he, they'd say that he's talking to him um, a bit, you know, a bit um, derogatory, really. Um, but I, personally, um, I always got on with, with, with Chez. Um, I think... He was a bit of a manger. He was a winner. He wanted to win. So if it was a five-a-side in training 
or whether it was a game on a Saturday afternoon or whether it was a, a golf game, whatever it was, he wanted to win. And, it, and, if, <laughs> and if he didn't win, he was going to moan. <laughs> and I'd say, you know, I was a bit of a moan during training as well. So if I weren't winning in training, I wanted to win every training session. And if I didn't, I'd be moaning at my teammates. And I think he saw that and I think he kind of liked it. So um, he, 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 he got on, really Marvel's got on all right. And I think that's why he made the captain. But some of the other players, if you had an interview with some of the other players, some of the other players would say, oh, no, you know, they were always having a go at me and, and he never gave me any praise. And, you know, and he, and he spoke to me a bit bad, really. So it just probably depends who you ask. But personally, he was, he was good as gold, you know, with, with me. And, 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 and I've got nothing but, but I talk for him, really. Yeah. And, and it, it must be it must be funny throughout a playing career because you'll be playing under managers that you probably don't have a similar character to and and some that you do um you just kind of get to uh get to learn how to how to cope with certain managers because there must be some that come in and you think oh i don't like them and, and others that you really get on well with yeah 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 but i suppose that's just the same in any any walk of life really you know no matter what job you're doing, you might have a manager that you think, oh, I don't really like you. But then you might have an, an, another manager that you think, oh, yeah, you know, I really I really enjoy working for you. But I think as a footballer, um, your job is to go and play football. Um, so, yeah, you might have some managers that you get on better than others. But first and foremost, you've got to look yourself in the mirror and say, am I giving my all for this club? Um, these, these club and these fans are paying my wages. So no matter who the manager is, when I pull on that shirt, I've got to be giving 100%. I mean, at times there might be some, some things that you don't agree with or, you know, or some tactics or whatever you don't agree with, but you've still got to be giving 100% when you go on that pitch. Yeah. Um, I think that just goes down to um, personal pride, really. And what, was, what would you say would be a, a typical John Sheridan training session? <laughs> right, I'm trying to remember now. Um, he, he liked lots of five-a-sides. Lots of five-a-sides, because he, he'd join in, you see. So he, he loved to put on a five-a-side, because he, could, he, couldn't, he couldn't run, but he, he still had a bit, do you know what I mean? And he was probably still better than all us lot on the ball. But he loved a five-a-side. Um, he, loved, um, he loved to do um, practice games as well, where he could kind of stand and, and kind of and, and take the session and say, right, I want you to, when you get the ball here, I want you to do this here. Or when you get the ball there, I want Want to do this, so he was very hands on, really. I would say, I know he had Tommy Wright as his assistant, but I would say, you know, Shez was, was very hands on and he wanted to do most of the, the training, really. But it was always short, sharp, um, and lots of you know, passing and moving, which is which is what he wanted to see on a Saturday, and it, you could see it on a Saturday, uh, especially in that season, yeah. So, if we, if we start with that at the start of the season, then you actually have the um, the accolade of being the first score of a league goal in that well a competitive goal in that stadium um, yeah were, were yeah. you kind of um i don't know did, did everyone have odds on each other scoring the first goal before that start that match <laughs> um i don't think it would really spoke about to be honest but you know craig davis was very confident so he probably thought he were going to be a bit first or jack lester or someone like that but i'd had a good um goal scoring run in the pre-season actually to be honest from what i remember i think i'd scored maybe three or four in pre-season, um, in the pre-season game. So, and, and, and when Chess signed me, um, he said, you know, you're going to have the licence to get forward. We've got Mark Hallett in there who likes to sit and just dictate the game. And then, you know, we've got Derek Niven who's, who's a bit like himself, but if, you've got the licence to get forward and, and get yourself some goals. Um, so that's what I did really to start off with. Um, I got myself fit, um, got myself fit. And then, like I said, um, I saw the goal actually the other day. It was um, Craig Davis played it over the top to Drew Talbot, and then Drew Talbot played it back to me, and I just put it in bottom corner. So it was nice to start off with a goal. Um, but like I said, I had I had been scoring in pre-season anyway, so it wasn't too much of a, a surprise to me, to be honest. Yeah, and then you, I think you scored in then your first three games, I think, didn't you? Like League Cup against Middlesbrough, and then there was the next league game after that. So you were started off really prolific in front of goal. Well, yeah, because like I said, I went to Bury from Huddersfield and I'd scored seven before Christmas uh, for Bury. Um, so I kind of knew I had it in me to score goals. All it was is that um, at Walsall, he wanted his, his, his two centre midfielders to just sit in there and not go anywhere. 
not get forward, just sit in, win the ball, play it simple. So I've been playing that role for two years. So when Chess says to me, you know, you've got the license to get forward, I kind of thought to myself, well, I can get a few goals here. I've done it before in this league from midfield. Um, I can do it again. So like I said, you just get yourself on a roll. And, you know, I scored that one in the league, the first um, league goal at the B2 net. And then scored against Middlesbrough, like you just said, in the in the cup. And then um, scored against Port Vale. So the, I think Craig Davis were, um, I think it was suspended at the time. And they were like, God, you're going to finish top goal scorer. <laughs> and I, I've got it in my contract that if I finish top goal scorer, I get a bonus. So he said, you need to slow down. <laughs> so, a really harsh red card, I think, in that first match. Yeah, in the first game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he was suspended. So when I got to three and he, he was still on zero, um, I think you were getting a bit worried. <laughs> <laughs> did um, did John Sheridan give you a target for the season for goals? Did, was he that kind yeah. of thing or not? No, 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 no. He just gave me the license to get forward. He said, as long as you can get back, um, you know, you'll get forward and get some goals. He, he was a very attacking-minded manager. So he wanted both his full-backs getting forward. He wanted to play without and out wingers. He wanted one of his centre midfielders to get forward. And then obviously he had your two strikers. So he was very all attack, 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 really. Um, so no, he never mentioned about how many goals he wanted me to score. But when I was scoring, he was just saying, you keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah. And then um, it kind of started off, I mean, we, that whole season, really, it was confidence must have been sky high from the start because it just always seemed like the mentality was a winning mentality in that squad. What's it? What's it like when you're playing in a team that, just feels like you're going to win every game. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the best job in the world when you're winning football. Because you just turn up, you've got confidence. And the thing is, we were scoring a lot of goals. I've been in teams before where you're looking around and you're thinking, where are we getting a goal from here today? We might get one if we're lucky, but we're never going to score two or three. And it's hard work playing in a team like that, whereas that team, goals were just coming from everywhere. I know, I know Jack and, and, and Craig scored a lot of goals, uh, but they were coming from the wings and they were coming from midfield, centre-halves were chipping in with some. You just always felt like you could score at any time. And it was just the most enjoyable part of my career, to be honest, just playing in a team like that, um, where the fans are behind you. We'd made a good start. Um, we were playing beautiful football. We could score at any moment. Um, it's just the best job in the world when you're playing in a team like that, to be honest with you. You can't wait for the next game. You just want to, you play every day if you could. Um, and that's what it was like. It was just training were good because we were winning and, and Chez's training were very good and enjoyable. Um, everyone had a smile on their faces. The mood around the club were just, just everyone was just vibrant, really. Um, yeah. So it was, it, was it was brilliant. Do you ever feel tired when you're in a team like that? You know, because I imagine when you're in a losing team, it's, it's quite easy to feel fatigue. But in a winning team, I'm guessing you don't ever feel tired. <laughs> no, no, you don't. Like you've just said, um, you know, when you're winning, you could play, you play Saturday, you could play Sunday. Hmm. All the aches and pains seem to go. Um, all the injuries, you know, seem to go. The, the fatigue seems to go. You just, you just want to play. You just want to play and train all the time. But like you said, when you're struggling and you're down the bottom there, where, where I've been with Berry before, um, you know, you feel all the aches and pains, you feel tired and you feel, oh, we've got a game on Tuesday, oh, oh, you know, I could do with a rest. But when you're winning, there's no such thing as a rest. You just want to, you just want to play, you just want to train, you just want to be around the boys and, and around the club, really, and that's what it's like. And, and I suppose a lot of that comes from, that goes over into the fans as well, because I know from watching... Chesterfield, when they've been in poor form, when the you're kind of expecting the first goal to go in against you <laughs> from the first whistle, and yeah. and convert and alternatively, when you're winning, you're expecting to score within the first ten minutes and and get another good result. Like, how does does that all? Do you feel that all coming from the from the stands? What? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I've been at clubs like Berry where we were struggling, like you say, we're conceding it first ten minutes, and then fans start groaning and moaning, and you think. You're on the pitch and you're thinking, oh, for God's sake, this is going to be hard work. But it was completely the opposite at Chesterfield. Um, I don't know what it was like the season before, um, but that season, the fans just seemed to be with us from the start. Um, even if we did go goal down, the fans would be cheering us on. And it just felt like, you know, we had the backing of the fans, every single player. So not just the favourite players, 
just every single player, player, even even the young lads who come on and help or whatever, everyone, the whole club just seemed to be backed by the fans. And I think that were a big reason why we did what we did in that season, just just from the fans just staying with us, even when we weren't playing well, because we went through a patch where we weren't playing that well. Uh, but it just seemed like the fans just stuck with us um, and, and, and that helped us massively in, in, in that season. And then one match that I was kind of looking through the matches in that season, and one match that sticks out that the fans still talk about is that 5-5 at home against Crew, yeah. <laughs> where we were 4-1 down at half-time. Um, yeah. I think you played in that match, I think. Um, yeah. What was that like, that 5-5? Well, it was a, probably the most creative game that I've ever played in in my, in my life, to be honest with you. Um, a, bit, a bit similar, like you said. I think we went 2 or 3-0 down at first 15 minutes. And we'd been flying before that. Um, and I don't know if crew, I don't think crew were doing that well. I don't think they're up at top of the table, but you know, you know, you know what crew are like on the day they can play some nice football. And they absolutely played us off the park for the first first half, really. And I remember that game. I started in midfield um, and they were playing little triangles in the midfield and we're all over the place. Um, so we got in at half time and we had a famous um, John Sheridan rollicking, really. Um, you know, he really got taught, you know, he told us, and he said, it's not good enough. And, you know, but he did say, if there's one team you can come back against, it's Crew, Crew Alexandra. You know, he said, you fall one down, but he said, there's one team that will crumble if you get a goal, it'll be Crew. Because Crew were known as a good footballing team, but a bit soft. Um, he said, go out there. So he put me, I think he brought Ian Brecken off and he put me back to centre-half. Um, and they brought on Craig, Craig Clay, I think, in midfield. Um, so it was 4 1 at half time. So, we're, we're, as lads, we're just saying to us, right, come on, let's just give it us all this second half. Even if we lose the game, come on, we're better than that. We've let the fans down. Um, so, it got to half time, and um, I think we got an early goal, so it made it 4 2. But when it went 4 2, you could see the crew players, all, all their heads went down. Um, and then our fans really started getting behind us, and we, we thought, you know what? We can do this. Um, so yeah, we, we got goal after goal and got it back to four all. Um, but some of the players that we had, we was always capable of that anyway. Mm. And this is what I mean. We never felt like we was out of any game because when you've got players like Dean Morgan and Dean Smalley and Jack and Craig and um, you know people players like that, you could be five down and still think you could get back into the game because yeah. they've got so much ability you can just get back into the game and that's what kind of happened um, and we got back to 5-4 I think it was it last minute wasn't it and then um, Craig Clay um, who's gone on to have a good decent career actually uh, he popped up but we weren't surprised because he'd been doing that a lot in training and in reserves he'd kind of got himself as a, a reputation of like a young lad coming through who can score goals from midfield and Chef's always liked him. So when he when that one when when that one went in, I think after the game, I think we kind of said to each other, you know what? We've got a real chance of doing something here because if we can come back from 4-1 down at half time and draw five all, you know, we've got a chance of uh, getting promoted. Um, you know, big, 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 big chance, really. And I remember like as a fan at that time, that was one of probably the most enjoyed. That probably felt more like a win than most wins felt that season. Because um, yeah. you had come up against it and, and managed to come out with a point. Like a lot of teams in that situation would kind of be looking at keeping it to nil-nil for the second half or something like that, you know, and just getting a little bit of pride back. But yeah. I suppose it says a lot about that season that you actually went out thinking that you could still get something from the game. Like I said, it all comes down to the players that you've got. Do you know what I mean? I've been in teams before where you're before one down at half-time and you're looking around and you're thinking, we've got no chance of getting back into this game. But with that squad, that, that team, you just kind of knew we've got some special players here with, with ability to, to score at any moment. So I think once we've scored straight after half-time or pretty soon after half-time, we kind of just, we, we kind of knew that we, we could get back into this game um, at any point, really. And, and like, if you're in, in midfield and you play a bit in defence as well, like, you've probably got one of the best views on the pitch of those, of, like, Davis and Leicester kind of going at it up front. It, it must have just been... Did you ever kind of catch yourself just just standing and just enjoying it? <laughs> well, yeah, to be honest, I actually enjoy... In that season, I actually enjoy playing at the back more than in midfield. 
Um, and the, re the reason probably is because of what you've just said. You know, I want really a selfish player, really. Even in midfield, I'd get it, give it simple and give it to like the, the players with ability, really. Mm. So when I was at the back, it was just a matter of kind of just, you know, um, staying concentrated um, and just kind of just watching kind of them guys go to work, really. And you got a lot of rest at the back in that team because you'd have, you'd have Dean Morgan who, who would stay on the ball. You'd have Dean Smalley who would stay on the ball. Jack were very good staying on the ball and Craig was very good at staying on the ball. So when they're staying on the ball and doing their bits of magic, you're getting a bit of a breather at the back. So it was just, um, I just really enjoyed playing at the back in that team. If it was a different team, I might not have enjoyed it as, as much, but in that team, um, I really enjoyed playing at the back and just kind of watching them guys, you know, go to work and, 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 and score goals and, and, and do skills and entertain the crowd, really. And was that, had you played centre-half before? Um that season? Uh, that season for Chesterfield? Uh, what, like before in your career? Oh, in my career? Um, no, I don't know. I don't know where Shez got it from, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, like you said, I'd started the season really well. Um, I scored, I think I scored three and four. And we went to uh, Walsall in the, um, in the in the Caribou Cup, I think it was. Um, and we played Macclesfield the, 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 the Saturday before, this was the Tuesday. And he just says to me, he says, oh, my, my, my centre-halves are injured. Um, going back to your old club, I'm going to make you captain. Um, but I want you to just play centre-half. And I'm like, centre-half? I said, I've never played there before in my life. He says, yeah, but, you know, I've seen you. I think, I think you can do a job there. Just do a job for me for one game. So I said, yeah, no problem. No problem, you know, no problem. So I played at the back in that Walsall game. But if you remember it, we played really well. We actually, Walsall were in League One and we played them off the park and beat them. I think it were 3-1. And um, our captain and I played at the back. So, and I played quite well. I did all right. But the Saturday after, I, I were expecting to go back into midfield. And he says, oh, you know, you played really well centre-half there, you know. You know, I'm going to play you there again on Saturday. So me being me, I was like, you know, all right, I'll do whatever you think is best for the team. And then it just turned out that I stayed there really for the rest of the season. But it was just something that he must have saw in me, thinking, oh, he, he could play at the back. And it, it kind of worked out all right. Yeah, and like you you mentioned, like you're one of the leaders of that team, but then you're put into a position that's uh, not necessarily comfortable to you. Are, are you taking a lot of direction from the guys that are along, alongside you? Are you expecting them to give you pointers or were you, did you feel quite comfortable? Um, good question. Um, well, there was still Ian Brecken and Robert, Robert Page at the club. Um, so when he put me there and they kind of knew I hadn't played there before, even though there wasn't, this is just shows how, how good guys there were, because even though they wasn't playing and they weren't in the squad most of the time, they'd still come over to me in training and give me little pointers and say, you know, do this and, and don't do that and, and do that. So they was a big help to me, to be, to, to be honest with you. Um, not so much on the pitch on a Saturday, but more, because they didn't play really, but more in training, they'd come and give me little tips. Um, th these are little things that fans don't see really, but yeah, they, they were helping me more than anybody. And then on a Saturday in, in the games, I was more playing with um, Simon Ford. Um, and Ford is quite a quiet guy, so he kind of just leave, let me kind of just get on with it really. Um, so I just... I just kind of just grew into the role and, and, and after a couple of games, I just felt quite comfortable with it. I found it quite easy um, in that league, in League Two, um, playing at the back. Um, yeah. So it wasn't a big thing for me, really. I quite enjoyed it, to be honest. Did you find yourself, like when you were watching live football on the TV, looking at what the defenders were doing and things like that, when, when you launched into a new position, do you find yourself researching when you're watching Match of the Day and, and things like that? Yeah, well, what it worries that I used to watch, I used to like Rio Ferdinand anyway. So when Shez put me to the back, I thought, right, I'll, I'll watch a lot of Rio Ferdinand and see how he does things. And also what I used to do in training one, we used to play on a Friday, we used to play um, under 21. So anyone in the squad under 21 versus, a five-a-side versus anyone over the age of 21. Um, so obviously I've been in the team over 21s with Jack Lester and Craig Davis and people like that. Um, it'd be all the young lads on the under-21s team. But what I did was I went and played in the under-21s, knowing that I'd come up against Jack Lester and Craig. So I felt to myself, if I can handle Jack Lester and Craig Davis in training and, 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 and test myself against them, 
they're the best two strikers in the league. So when I come up against whoever it is on a Saturday, I've got that confidence to think, I've handled them two in training, or I've done well against them two, or I've tested myself against them two. Then come on a Saturday, I can, I can, I can deal with any striker um, who, who I come up against because they're not, they're not as good as them two. So that's kind of what I did, really. I just any opportunity in training, I put myself up against Craig Davis or uh, and Jack Lester, and then, like I said, that built my confidence up to think you're doing all right against them in training. You can do all right against anyone on a Saturday. Yeah, and obviously, like Jack Lester's a a legend at the club. What? It, was he was he as good in training as he was in, in real matches? You know, because it's just I remember that season he scored a hat trick against Stockport, which like yeah. one of the goals in the hat trick he he just took on. It seemed like the whole the whole team and yeah. scored. Like, what was it like in training? Watching him, I don't think Jack was the best of trainers. To be honest with you, no. I don't think he hardly ever used to train. <laughs> <laughs> I think at that time I, I don't know how old he was, but he was coming to the end of his career. And uh, him and Shez kind of had a had a pact where Jack didn't really train much, you know. Um, he'd always be around and stuff, but it, you know, he didn't train as much as us guys. And even if he did train, he he wasn't training a hundred percent, probably because he knew he was saving himself for a, for a, for a Saturday, really. Um, yeah. So from what I remember, I, I, Jack wasn't the best of trainers, but then on a Saturday, he'd do some things, and you'd be like, "Wow, how's he done that?" Um, and um, yeah, probably one of the best players I've played with, to be honest with you, even at that age, even when he was coming to the end of his career, he was were phenomenal, really. But if you watched him in training, you, you probably wouldn't realise how good he was, to be honest. Yeah. And then, and then Craig Davis alongside him, obviously he just, uh, everything he hit seemed to go in that season. It was just ridiculous, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, when he came in from Brighton, I already knew he was a good player because I played against him. I knew he was big and strong. But I don't think his goal scoring record were that were that good at that time. Um, but he just he just came in and he hit the ground running, didn't he? He was always when we were doing pre-season, he was always at the front in the running, which which kind of surprised me really because he's a big lad. Um, it was it, it, on the opposite to Jack with the training, he was always the best player in training, we always wanted to win, always testing himself, always staying out extra and doing extra with um, sh- you know, doing shooting practice or extra with um, with um, Shinner, Shane, the, the fitness coach. He was always one to do extra. So when he had a season like that, it didn't really surprise me really because like I said, he, he, his work ethic was probably the best work ethic in, in the club really. Um, and there were other players in that squad who probably had maybe a bit more ability than him, but what were, weren't working as hard as him. So when he got all that success, you know, we were all happy for him and he got his move to Barnsley and he's gone on to have a great career. We was all, you know, really happy for him because he's the hardest working player, you know, in that, in that squad, I would say. Yeah. I think as a player and as, a, as an experienced player, you kind of know when you're in something special, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that crew game was one where you're thinking, God, there's something special happening here. And there was a game at um, Accrington Stanley as well. Um, and I think we were 2-0 down and we played shocking. Absolutely shocking. We were terrible. It was a cold, cold um, afternoon. Um, it were, it were, the pitch were rubbish and we couldn't play our, our football like we wanted to play. And they just basically battered us. And if I remember rightly, we ended up drawing that game to all. We scored two goals in the last five, ten minutes. And even after that game, the lads were sat down and were looking, something special happening here. How have we played so bad and managed to score two goals in the last five minutes and got away with a point, do you know what I mean? Mm. And there's just certain things that happened in that season, their two that I can remember off the top of my head, where you're looking around and thinking, this is special. And like I said, with yourselves, the fans, I think you guys could kind of tell, no, we've got a special team here. Let's enjoy it as much as we can because we might not see this again for years to come. This, the kind of football we were playing and, and you know, the togetherness of the, of the club um, was just phenomenal, really. And then you mentioned becoming, like, captain. So what... what uh, and you've obviously been captain before at clubs uh, previous to when you were at Chesterfield. Like, what, what was your captain style? Did you have a style of being captain? Yeah, um, so yeah, I'd been captain at Walsall um, the season before. Um, and I think Chez knew that. Um, so when he asked me to play centre-half uh, when we played Walsall in the cup, he, he, he said, I'm going to put you centre-half, but you're going to be captain. 
So I think he felt like that was him kind of softening the blow of me having to play centre-half <laughs> by giving me captaincy. <laughs> so, yeah, so so what he did was, um, we played really well in that game against Walsall, we batted Walsall. Um, and I think he was quite superstitious, um, Chez. So I think he thought, right, I've put him centre-half, I've put him captain, um, and we've had probably the best performance of the season so far. I'm just going to keep it the same. going to keep him centre-half and keep him captain. And I think that's kind of how it, how it happened, really. I think it was more out of superstition um, from Shezza's point of view rather than anything else because I'm, I'm a quiet guy, really. I'm, I'm, I'm not really a, a big shouter or I'm not loud in the dressing room or anything like that. So it was nothing to do with that. I think he just, he just he, very superstitious. And also, I think in training, he liked that. Every day in training, he'd want to win, whether it was a little five-a-side, whether it was a run, whatever it was, I, I, I'd want to win. And I think he kind of saw a bit of him in me. And I think that's kind of what he liked. But it was nothing to do with me being a big shouter or being the loudest in the dressing room or anything like that, to be honest. It was just more of, like I said, he, he took a liking to me and it was a bit superstitious, I think. That's as captain, did you did you feel the need then to do that um, kind of final team talk before the team went out onto the pitch? Did did you do that or or not? No, I didn't. No, no. I always felt like Jack was the real captain, to be honest. Um, Jack Lester. Um, so I don't know why he didn't give it Jack Lester, to be honest, because it was always Jack Lester that would be having you know the team talks and say, "Come on, lads, we need to do this or we need to do that." or organising things like nights out and stuff like that. It was always Jack Lester. I never really, if I'm honest, I never really did anything like that. I was just more of a guy that came in, trained as hard as possible and went home, really. Um, but no, it was, it was more Jack Lester that did everything like that. Um, Mark Allard is a bit like me. He, he was captain sometimes, but he was, he was more of a lead by example on the pitch rather than, you know, being loud and organising things and, and having team talks and stuff like that. That was more Jack Lester's domain. And I think Jack Lester had done that since he was at Chesterfield. So it wasn't my job to come and take over from Jack Lester. I just just leave Jack Lester to do all that. And I just kind of played my game on a, on a Saturday. And I think Shed just kind of felt like I led by example in, in training and, and, and on a Saturday as well. Yeah, and then, and then kind of going into that, the, as we turned into the new year of that season there was a, a couple of really pivotal games that I remembered there was a, a a win against Wickham at home that I think took us like seven nine points clear or something like that and then there was the five nil against Rotherham which oh, yeah. came on as a sub in that game I think yeah. so you got to watch that Rotherham five nil <laughs> from the bench like um there was some really standout games wasn't there as, as Christmas had gone and the momentum was starting to go towards the end of that season. Yeah, I mean, that Rotherham game, I think I'd missed a couple of games through injury, and I was just coming back from injury. Uh, and I'm sat on the bench, and I'm watching the lads, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is unbelievable football. For League Two standard, we were playing like, that night there, we were playing like a championship team, really. We'd have give, we'd have give any championship um, team a room for the money playing like that on that night. Um, and then I remember, I just watched it again um, a few months ago on the Chesterfield website, actually. It was, it was on there and I watched it all again. And even the commentators were saying, you know, for League Two football, we've never, ever seen anything like this. Um, and we were performing like that week in, week out, really. I think that was probably the best performance of the season. But, you know, the, the other, some other performers weren't far off that. And we just had some top, top draw players um, for League Two. And I think that's the reason why we've got them kind of performances, really. Um, but yeah, the Wickham game, you know, you could go through them all, a, a lot of games in that season where you're thinking that, that, that performance there was, was way, way above League Two standard. Yeah, and then, and then going right to the end of that season, we had to wait until the last day of the season to actually confirm the title. Um, it was a bit of a slip-up, I think, against Bury, um, the kind of the home game previous to that. So, yeah, it was a bit of a wait to get that title wasn't it? Yeah, the thing is with that season is we should have had that. Um, I know we got promoted quite early, maybe five or six games to go, but we should have had the, t the, the title locked off way before the last game. Um, but I, So I don't know if a bit of pressure was getting to us knowing that, yeah, we're promoted, but we've been top of the league since Christmas. This title should have been sewn up a long time ago. Do you know what I mean? So I remember we played Berry. Um, 
that was a that was a really good game as well. I think about four three or something like that. Lost that, and then I think we were kind of thinking, oh, you know, we've done well to get promoted, but it'll feel like a bit of a letdown if we don't win the title after being so good all season. Um, but like I said, it just shows the mark mark of the squad that we came in that last game with a bit of pressure on us. To be honest with you, um, yeah, we've been promoted, but we wanted to win the title. We've been top since Christmas, you know. Um, and it just shows the, the, the character in that squad that we played Gillian and played them off the park, beat them 3-1. They were going for the playoffs, so they had something to play play for as well. And I think it was just deserved. I think if we hadn't won the title that season, it would just been the biggest, you know, letdown in, in, in recent years, really. Yeah. Um, so I think we've got what we fully deserved by winning the title, but it shouldn't have been done earlier, to be honest with you. And now attempting to put the icing on the cake. A sellout crowd desperate to see Chesterfield bring home the silverware. After a goalless first half, Danny Whitaker got the party started by rounding Alan Julian to score. But their celebrations were cut short soon after as Gillingham went in search of the points to keep their playoff hopes alive. Adebayo Akinfenwa's inch perfect through ball sent Cody McDonald on his way. The Jules' leading scorer eventually notching his 26th goal of the season, which looked as though it could be crucial. But the Kent club were level for just nine minutes as the Spyrites went for glory. Nobody tracked the run of Scott Griffiths, whose wicked cross was flicked in by Jack Lester. John Sheridan's men now just 14 minutes away from getting their hands on the trophy. But Gillingham's grip on the top seven was slipping, and their season was finished by Dean Smalley, who made sure that Chesterfield would be... I mean, if you'd have given us a choice, I think you probably would pick that choice. You know what I mean? Win the league um, on the final day of the season, full house, all your family's there, um, you know, and have the celebrations on the pitch after the game like we did. You'd pick that, you probably would pick that choice. But it just felt like, you know, it were, it were dragging on a little bit and we kind of thought, oh God, you know, what if we don't win the title? But like I said, the, the, the character in that squad, not the loudest squad, not the not, not not the big mouths and and and, and banter squad that you hear about. Just an efficient squad with um, with lo loads of play with a lot of players with ability really. And then Chev's giving them them the license to go and do what they wanted to do. Do you know what I mean? There's a few players in that squad, you know, where some managers would have said, "No, you're not doing that, and you're not doing that." But Chev just kind of just given the license to go and do whatever they wanted to do, and it, it just just worked to a treat that season. Yeah, and I think it was then you and Mark Allett, wasn't it, that kind of jointly lifted the trophy uh, on the pitch. So it must be it must be lovely when your family's there and you get to kind of have a little walk around on the pitch afterwards. Um, what's it like winning winning the title? Oh, it's you know, apart from your kids being born and stuff like that, it's just the best feeling. And and I were captain as well, and um, it just meant the world to me, really. And it still does now. And this is why I'm doing, you know, I'm having a chat with yourself today because it, it's just good memories. I know it's nearly 10 years ago now, but it's just good memories. And I'll always remember the times that I had at, um, that I had at Chesterfield. They'll never be forgotten. Um, but yeah, I was captain. My mum were there. My dad were there. My son were there. My missus at the time were there. And my mum and dad have always supported me, you see, especially my dad. He's always been to all my games. So it was nice for him to see his son you know, lift the trophy as um, as um, as captain, really. And like I said, me and Mark Allen did it together. I think he asked me, actually. I was going to do it on my own because I think, you know, I'd been captain most of the season, but he asked me, he said, oh, can I do it with you? I said, yeah, yeah, come on, you get one end and I'll, I'll get the other end. So uh, I said, after three, we'll, we'll put it up. <laughs> and that's what we did, really. But uh, even sometimes now I go on YouTube and watch, I think there's... You know, there's, there's, there's the clips of the season and some of the goals. And so even sometimes now we're going and watching it always brings, you know, a smile to my face watching it because it was just great times. Yeah. And like, I, I suppose I, I don't want to uh, talk about it too much, but the season after kind of went a bit, uh, went a bit, a bit disappointing, wasn't it? After what had happened the season before, never really hit the ground running, really. Um, yeah. And you kind of started off playing that season then, didn't you? But then was that when you then had the operation? Yeah, what what happened was, um, at the end of the season, we thought, right, we've won the league, we've played really good football. If we keep this squad together, we can go and give League One a good go. Um, 
And I'd played in League One before, and a lot of the other players have played in League One before as well. And we all were, were of agreement, if we keep everyone together, we can go and have another good season. Um, but what happened was, Craig Davis got sold, he, well, he didn't get sold, he was out of contract, so he went to Barnsley, so we lost him. And I think that were a big, big thing for us. Um, we never really repra- replaced Craig. Um, you know, Jack had got a year old, he was, he was getting a bit older. Um, and Craig never got replaced. And I remember in pre-season, you know, we've got we're hearing rumours of players coming in. I think Clayton Donaldson was a rumour that he might come in, and a few others and we were, we were thinking, yeah, come on, get somebody, get somebody. And we never did. And I think we went into that first game of the season against Tranmere of that season um, with a weaker team than what we'd had um, the, the season before. Um, and, and I think it just kind of we got off to a bad start and we never really recovered from that really um, I'd had been having problems with my ankle so I went and had an operation with that um, and I think just going up a, a league and not replacing you know one of your best players who scored 30 goals just really we never really recovered from it Yeah and it's, it's like a case again isn't it I was talking in the, the first episode with Jamie Hewitt uh, last yeah. time out about momentum and how important it is to um, to be playing with confidence and, and things like that. And I suppose when you start a season and you've got that feeling that maybe if, if, if player if as players you've got that feeling that maybe your squad's not as strong, then it's um, kind of not a great place to to start. Well, that was it. You know, we had momentum in the season before, and then it kind of just like you know it completely reversed itself in that season after a couple of you know a bad start. And then, like I said, even centre-halves, you know, we were hoping to bring in a, a, a centre-half because I wasn't a centre-half, really. Um, and I think I got away with it in League Two. But when I went to League One, I kind of felt, this is, a, this is different. This. These strikers are better. They're quicker. They've got better movement. And it's a lot harder. So I think even in the squad, we were thinking, you know what, if he gets, you know, to keep what we've got, all right, Craig's gone to Barnsley, but if we replace him, and then add maybe another two or three quality players on top of what we've already got, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll do well. But it never happened until, I think it was like mid- middle of the season when they got Leon Clark and Neil Trotman and people like that in. But it just were a bit too late. We needed to get them type of players in at the start of the season and keep that momentum going. And like, I said, like, like you said, the momentum got lost and that's why we struggled that season. Yeah. And then you ended up at, um, at Macclesfield, didn't you? It was... Um... But you, I think you only played like a, a game or two, didn't you? Was that a kind of a, an injury thing again? Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, so, yeah, so when I come back from injury, um, Shez had brought in like, um, I think he brought in Dean Davis in midfield, Neil Trotman at the back, um, Leon Clark up front. And he brought in four or five players. And I wasn't getting in the team. They'd kind of picked up the form a little bit and I couldn't get in the team. And um, he got to January and he said, look, Dwayne, you're not really in my plans. You're not playing. You're playing at reserves. And, you know, you're at the age where really you need to be playing. And I agreed with him. Do you know what I mean? I'd, I'd come in and done the job that he brought me in to do to get, get us into League One. I wasn't really playing. I was 30 years old, 31 years old. I needed to be playing, really. So, um, yeah, so it came about that um, Macclesfield were interested. My mate, Nat Brown, um, we're playing at Macclesfield and he said, oh, you know, we, we want to take you till end of season. So I said, right, I'll have a word with Shez and see if we can get something sorted. So I went to see Shez. Shez said, yeah, it'd be good for you to get playing again. We sorted out um, a settlement package on my, on my contract and then I went and signed for Macclesfield on the Monday. So on the Tuesday, we had a game down at um, Wimbledon and um, it put me straight in, played that game, so actually scored on my debut um, it's got to like about the 70th minute and I'm, t- I'm knackered because I am I am played for a while. So I'm signalling over to the manager, I'm saying, you know, bring me off. And he's gone, yeah, yeah, I'll bring you off, I'll bring you off. Then I've, I've gone into this tackle with this lad and a um, really bad tackle. And then I, my, my foot's got stuck in the ground as well. So I've actually broke my um, ankle in two places and ruptured all the ligaments. And the, I've never seen, I've never seen an ankle as bad. It was swollen like a, I don't know what, it was just really swollen. I knew it was really bad. And I'd only signed for Macclesfield till the end of the season. So I went to see specialists and stuff like that. And they said, yeah, you broke your ankle, you've ruptured all your tendons and your ligaments and stuff like that. You're going to be out for it at least six to eight months. 
So I played one game for Macclesfield and then got injured in that scored and then got injured. Um, and then we're out of contract. So, you know, it was just a bit of a bad time, really. So um, got to the end of the season. Obviously, Macclesfield released me because I was injured. Um, but then I had no club to do, me, no club or doctors to do any re- rehabilitation with my ankle. Um, and it still didn't feel right anyway. So it was then the time to think, you know what, you've got to 31 now. You've had a good career. It's probably time to start thinking about, you know, um, retiring and doing, doing something else. Yeah, and it's... It, it must be really, really difficult because I mean you you probably had another, another five years or so in you I suppose um, if if you'd have not had that injury like do you as players do you get the do you get the right amount of support from from places like the PFA and places like that because it just seems like it just seems really harsh that you have that have that career and you're still quite young and then your career's kind of almost ended just because of a tackle. Um, must be really hard. I mean, the PFA, I never heard from the PFA at all. All they did for me was they said, right, your pension's due at 35, but what we can do is give you that pension now at 31 so we can bring it early for you because obviously you're not able to, to play anymore. Um, but as for like um, the mental side of things or helping me get a job or or any or helping me get a new club or anything like that, it was a bit non-existent to be honest with you. Um, but the career, the mindset I had in my career is that anything like that could have happened at any time anyway. So that could have happened at 21 or 26 or 28. So when it happened at 31, I'd already put kind of procedures in place um, so that if anything like that did happen, then, you know, I'd be all right for a, for a year or two before I got myself, you know, sorted out. So it, it happened. Um but, you know, like I said, I'd already put in place things that um, that that could happen anyway at any time. Yeah. And what's, what's life been like post-football? You must still look back on those days and feel really proud of everything that you achieved because you, you played quite a lot of games for um, for those kind of three or four, five clubs that you played for. Um, you must be really proud of everything you've achieved. Yeah, I am, yeah. I mean, like you said, when, you, when you're playing football... Um, you kind of take it for granted, to be honest with you. Um, you start training at half 10. And if you're playing for a manager like Chase, you're done by 12. <laughs> so you're done by 12, get home, have, get back to the club, have a shower, have a bit to eat. By one o'clock, half one, you're back home. You know what I mean? So you kind of get used to that lifestyle. And then when you come out of football and you've got to go and do a, a nine to five or you've got to do shift work, you're kind of like, wow, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not used to working eight hour shifts and nine hour shifts and doing shift work and stuff like that. So it is a bit of an eye opener, really. Um, but all I'd say to footballers, you know, now just enjoy it, enjoy it as much as you can because you're never going to get a better job than, than, than doing, getting paid for doing something that you love, really. So yeah, I look back on my career and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with, with how it went. I think there's some players out there that look back on the career and think, oh, they could have done more or, they, you know, they could have done better. But I always look back on my career and think I got the best out of whatever ability I had. Do you know what I mean? I played in every league apart from the premiership um, and I got the best out of myself. And, and that's all you can ask for, really. And, and I'm just grateful that I had the opportunity to play, play professional football for, for 12, 13 years, however long it was.